Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into Solo, colon, a Star Wars story in today's review episode. I can show you the world. Just take a look through my eyes. Today's episode is going to be all about Solo, but before we get into Solo, uh... It's, uh, well, and, and kind of during getting into Solo, uh, I'm going to kind of also go through my trip to Brazil a little bit. Not, uh, only as it kind of pertains to the movies I saw while I was on the trip and my experience at a movie theater in Rio. Uh, not everything. It was a two-week trip, and, and that would take far longer than you're probably interested in listening. But uh, to kind of su- su- set this up... Um, You know, we put off seeing, my girlfriend and I put off seeing Solo for, I guess, a week. Um, When we, it came out the weekend after we left. We saw it um, Sunday. Hold on, I can check this, actually. I don't know why I'm guessing. Solo. We saw it May 28th, uh, which would be Monday. So we saw it the Monday it came out in Rio, and it was not a movie I was particularly excited for, Uh, but throughout the period of its advertisement, I was kind of fluctuating up and down through, you know, through, through like the trailer releases and the press and the promos, and, you know, I was really excited for Donald Glover as Lando, but I was really not looking forward to Alden Ehrenreich as Solo. Uh, I was kind of on the fence about um, Amelia Clark. I didn't really know anything about her character, but I hadn't been particularly impressed with her outside of Game of Thrones, so that was kind of a red flag. I did not watch any of the promotional material for this movie. Uh, So I I really went in relatively blind, but considering that we were going to see it, you know, by the the very tail end of a four-day weekend, I was also already aware of a lot of the buzz surrounding it so you know a lot of the buzz comes out and it got generally favorable reviews which was good and so I I kind of went in almost lackadaisically I wasn't exactly over the moon super excited for it the way I was for Last Jedi but def but I you know I was somewhat interested uh, but that being said, I, I definitely felt more invested in Rogue One than I was in Solo prior to seeing Rogue One than I was prior to seeing Solo. So <clears throat> it just, it felt like, and would later I would con- kind of confirm this on my se- for myself, but it felt like a movie that didn't need to be made. And that was the biggest sort of thing floating around in the back of my head any time I thought of the movie, I thought, why? Why are we making this? What is the point? So that was pretty much the main baggage I took with me into Solo. So like I said, um, we got to see it in Rio. I don't, I don't know what I could actually uh, describe the theater as that would kind of make it feel different than, Amer- than like an American theater, but... Uh, so the theater we went to was in a mall, but 
I, I gathered from the conversations that we had with the friend of ours who was a native, who we were living, uh, staying with while we were there, that wasn't, you know, like a norm. It wasn't like all theaters were in malls, just we happened to go to that one. And uh, we went up, uh, so 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 the, the currency in Brazil, reais, uh, is very favorably trans... Um, Com- it, it, the exchange rate is very favorable for for the the American dollar. So I think while we were there, the ratio was about three point seven five to one. Uh, so you know, you could round that up to four. So every four hayish was about one dollar. And uh, to give you an idea of what that means, uh, a movie ticket for Solo, which we saw in. 3D, which none of us, including the nat- the Brazilian native friend that we were with, none of us realized we were seeing it in 3D until we handed the usher our tickets and he ha- he stopped us when we tried to walk past him and gave us 3D glasses. So totally unaware that that was happening. But a 3D ticket in Rio to see Solo on its opening weekend cost, uh, I want to say... 58 Hayish. So if if it's a 4 to 1 ratio that ends up costing you about $14. Uh which isn't isn't awful, right? Like that's actually fairly equivalent to what it would be in the states. Uh and and so like I that wasn't a, too big of a deal. I wish I I had a better understanding of like what the average ticket price was. For like a non-3D showing, uh, our friend who's from Brazil got a student uh, discount. So this is something that the United States does not have. Uh, well, I, not not true. So there's definitely student discounts at theaters for for the United States, but in in Brazil and at least in at least in Rio, uh, anything that's like culturally tangentially significant. You can use your student uh, card or, or identification and get 50% off everything. So any museum we went with our with uh, our native friend, every like we went to the botanical gardens, the movie theater, anything anything like that, anything art related, cultural related, uh, library related, anything at all, he shows his uh, student ID and gets half off. So. Not movie tickets that cost each of us um, almost sixty hayish or fifteen, almost fifteen dollars, uh, ended up costing him twenty nine hayish, which translated to American dollars uh, would be about seven bucks. So that was uh, that's that's a that's a huge huge difference. I know because like going to the AMC here in Pittsburgh. The like student discount is a buck fifty off of like nine dollars, give or take, uh, for a normal regular movie, um, and you get no additional discount for premium formats. So it's still about a buck fifty off. You just add another four dollars to that initial discount, and that's that's where you're at. So definitely prefer that. Um, we were both my girlfriend and I were kind of upset. Because we both still have our old college IDs, and 
we were, we were told that like, or at least our friend told us that it would have been pretty likely that we could have gotten, used them sufficiently in Rio to get a lot of stuff half off, which would have been nice, but not something we had any idea, idea about. So anyway, um, yeah, so we got, so we got to the movie. We, so we ended up getting there late. Uh, we missed, we were, we were about 10 minutes late from the printed start time, uh, as we purchased the tickets. Uh, by the time we got from the ticket counter, we picked up food and then we got the 3D glasses and went in to take our seats in a reserved seating theater. So we picked our seats. We sat in the top row. Uh, by the time we got sat sat down, we probably were 15 to 20 minutes past the initial printed start time of the movie, which here, at least at, um, at the big AMC that I go to, would mean we'd be getting into the theater right when the movie was starting because there's an insane amount of previews. And in fact, uh, that's probably similar to how it would have been there, except, and you know, we neither of us speak Portuguese, so we didn't really know exactly what was being said, but our friend who purchased the tickets for us told us that uh, the movie, when we were purchasing the tickets, the movie had already started uh, because they were for some, there was a strike, so there was a strike going on the whole time we were in Rio with the trucking companies, and half of the restaurants we went to couldn't even, like, cover half of their menus because they didn't have enough uh, meat or or this, that, and the other thing uh, because they weren't getting shipments in. You know, there was a Burger King a block away from us that was not open the entire time we were there because it did not have enough sufficient, like, quality uh, goods to, to sell things. Um, there were, like, pictures. People, he, he was showing us, we were being shown pictures on Instagram of uh, people from Rio send, showing pictures of, like, McDonald's burgers with, like, a hot dog bun around it because they had no bread. Like, they had no rolls. It, it was crazy. Uh, like, the... Like, literally, the strike started the day we got there, and it ended, like, a day or two before we left, so we got to experience the whole strike. Uh, so that was one thing, but, and now I don't remember what the point of that tangent was, um, uh, I, I don't know if that had any direct correlation with the movie theater reducing the number of previews it showed, uh, that seemed to be the implication. I don't know why, but I, I think that's what was happening. I'm not sure, but for whatever reason, the previews were being shortened, um, which is great, I guess, uh, because one, I don't like watching the previews anyway, and I choose not to, but it did kind of suck because normally we would have been able to see the, th the whole entire film, but we ended up like clipping off the first five minutes or so. Uh, which, you know, first few minutes of the movie are generally supposed to be very important, and that can be kind of problematic, but we we ended up deciding to see it anyway. So we got in, we sat down, we had drinks, popcorn, all the whole, the whole thing. And so the seats and the theater itself were like a hybrid of sort of like the reclining seats we have here, at least in the AM, um, not the AMC, the, because AMC doesn't have recliners, but I don't know, kind of like the reclining seats we have in the States. 
It also has one of those desks that you see in colleges that like you can like turn it up and like um, rotate it down so that it hangs next to the chair so you can get out of your seat. And then when you sit down, you pull it up and you send it down. The, 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 the desks don't like fold up, but they like spin on an axis, uh, which was really interesting and um, feels weird. All of them, I think every single one in the theater we were in squeaked. Because, like, every so often you would hear just, like, the little, the the squeakiness of the joints and the, and the gears at play kind of subtly floating throughout the whole room, which was really strange. But let's actually, let's actually move on to the actual film. Uh, so, Solo, Star Wars Story. I mentioned I kind of had not the best uh, expectations going in. And throughout the film, uh, it ended up... So, I was, I, so while, I was, while I was in Rio, I was reading, I'm reading this book by Anne Hornaday, uh, who is a, I guess, I guess critic is the proper way to... Yeah, she is the chief film critic at the Washington Post and was a 2008 Pulitzer Prize finalist in criticism. Uh, the book is called Talking Pictures. I received it last year as a gift and was finally able to have the time to, to read some of it uh, in Rio on the beach. And her, she, she's a brilliant, brilliant critic if, if, if the things that she writes in her book are any at all resemblant of... of the way she approaches movies and like there's so many references to the movies that I'm familiar with and I'm sure many of you are familiar with and uh, suggestions as to which movies are, are best correlated to uh, different aspects of filmmaking and I haven't finished the book I, I'm about two-thirds through it and so by the time we were watching Solo I had started the book and so I was trying to use what I'd read in the book uh, to kind of approach the movie in a specific way. And the key tenements that she outlines early on are that the shorthand for critiquing a movie, if you want to have a place to start, uh, if you want to discuss it with somebody, are basically three questions. And I don't think she really takes credit for like coming up with these questions. I don't think that they're um, essentially like copyrighted by her. But the three questions are... Uh, what was the movie trying to do? Like, what was its purpose? What was its point? Uh, the second question is, was it successful in the thing it was trying to do? And the third question is, was it worth it? Like, was this, whatever point it was trying to make, whatever, whatever theme, whatever, whatever purpose it had, was that worth making? Was that worth attempting to uh, achieve and attempting to reach? And so... While you're watching a movie for the first time, you're trying, you know, you're trying not to overanalyze it. You're trying not to think of it so critically. You want to just get lost in the movie. You want to just let it wash over you as, as best you can. The best movies, in my opinion, uh, do that. They, they just sweep you up and you're just caught in this, this whirlwind, this torrent of, uh, of, of experience. And so for Solo, you know, I 
was watching, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, the opening scenes between Alden Ehrenreich and Amelia Clark, uh, you know, ult- the ultimate separation of these two characters and the draw, you know, the sort of adolescence becoming adulthood of, of Han Solo and his track toward becoming, uh, this, this rugged outlaw gunfighter character that we really know uh, from from Harrison Ford's portrayal. And the whole time, I can't help but think in the back of my head, uh, what what's the point, right? Like, this is the question that was plaguing me the whole time before I saw the movie, and now even watching the movie, I still am trying to find why this movie is being made. Because for me, every you know, every five minutes of the movie, I feel like I'm just checking off a box, like, oh, this reference that he made in Empire Strikes Back, gotta make sure we explain that one, oh, this one-liner from Return of the Jedi, gotta make sure we got that one covered, oh, this one he mentions here, we gotta, you know, this, that, and that's, that's really irritating, like, that's really frustrating to experience, I don't care how he got his name, I just like the name. Han Solo is a cool name. I don't need an origin for his name. Uh, I, I don't need to know... Uh, I, I don't know. I, I just... There are so many instances like that, and I, I can talk about more of them in, in spoilers. But... It just, like, that was the... That, that was one of the first ones, is his name. And it was really, really tough to watch, and and, and I was re- that was a really painful scene for me. But so let, to move past that, let's move kind of through the movie a little bit. Uh, there's so here a big critique I have that I haven't heard anybody else mention is so this movie markets itself as a Han Solo prequel, right? This is his backstory, this is his origin, this is how he became who he is. Um, If not in this movie, then in subsequent sequels that may or may not come out. And there's a period in the movie, fairly early, it's not not very long into the movie, you know, we haven't even met a large portion of the main cast at this point, uh, where he ends up joining... Uh, an army. He joins the war. He wants to be a pilot, uh, and that's great. Uh, you know, he's obviously a very skilled pilot by his, uh, you know, just looking at what he did in the original trilogy. So I'm fine with this. But then, for a character whose origins we're learning about, we then time skip three years. You know, we see on the screen three years later. So, I, I, that blows my mind, okay? That, that absolutely blows my mind because, for me, if we want to figure out who this guy is, what he's doing, what he's about, what his purpose is, where he's coming from, how he became who he is, what transpired early in his life to lead to the place where he ends up at when we first met him in A New Hope, how, how can they skip three whole years of what can, you know, if he's part of an army, some military faction, that's, that's, that's incredibly, incredibly 
like a seminal period of his life. That's three years. That that time skip encompasses more time than the rest of the film combined. And some like the the notion that he could possibly that we can possibly learn more about him from the like couple of months on either end of that those three years. Uh, more than like that we can learn more from those couple of months than we could from following him in those three years, or just even seeing him in those three years, doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, you know, as stagnant as, as people in real life might be for periods of their lives, uh, you know, like, I worked at Target for three years in my life, but to say that, like, the more important parts of my life happened to before and after Target is ridiculous. Like, as if nothing changed for me in those three years, an infinite amount of things changed for me during those three years. As I'm sure an infinite amount of things changed for Han Solo during those three years. And yet, we skip over that. And, like, that that just really rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, you know, the whole point of this movie is that we're going back to explore parts of Han Solo that we never saw before. And yet, in the movie where we're exploring deeper into his past, we're still skipping over insanely large chunks of it and I, I just and that feels so counterintuitive to me super counterintuitive I digress we move past that uh, we meet Woody Harrelson we get in we're in with Woody Harrelson for a while um, we get we get back in you know we meet Lando Lando we finally meet Lando so we're about I don't know a third half of the way through the movie when we meet Lando for the first time and one of the biggest things I had heard prior to seeing this movie was Donald Glover is is worth price of admission alone. I don't know if I'd go that far. I wasn't as impressed with him as I think a lot of other people were. He's certainly incredibly charismatic. I would have loved if the movie had revolved around him instead of Han, but it doesn't. And <clears throat> for what we do get from Lando, it was it was good. It wasn't great. But it was good. I was very, very pleased with Lando. But we're also introduced to easily my favorite character from this movie, and that is L3. Uh, so I don't know if L3 has any appearances in the trailers or marketing material, but uh, L3 is a droid, which, of course, the best character in this and the best character in Rogue One were both droids, but L337. Uh, played voiced, uh, probably not um, mo-capped or, or anything. Probably not mo-capped by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, but at least voiced by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Uh, is amazing. Uh, my favorite character, hands down, uh, would watch an entire movie about L3. Uh, but uh, that's not what we're going to get. So... Lando and L3, loved them. I thought they were great. Um, you know, I was a big fan, and the whole time they were in the movie, I was pleased. Because, you know, I never once, not one point, did I ever feel like Alden Ehrenreich was Han Solo. Not one point in this whole movie, from beginning to end, none of it really worked for me. And uh, I, I just... I don't know. It, it just never, never came together. I, outside of the one scene 
that everyone talks about for Hail Caesar with Alden Ehrenreich, I have never been, you know, impressed by by him, really. Like, it, it just, he's lukewarm at best, is how I would describe my opinion on Alden Ehrenreich, and, and this didn't, nothing, nothing in Solo really changed my mind about that. Uh, so, that leaves uh, some, let's see, who else have we mentioned? That leaves Paul Bettany as Dryden Voss, who shoots some scenery, but he doesn't have a lot of scenes, and didn't get a ton to do. Thandy Newton, whose appearance in the movie is, I think, too short. Another character that I was kind of into, but, you know, we don't see tons of her either. We get Jon Favreau uh, has a role, a supporting role in this movie that I wasn't aware of. And he's fine. He's okay. Uh, you know, I saw Warwick Davis in this movie. Um, and, uh, I don't know. Uh, there, there was so much that just never works. And, and that's the kind of key, key point about I have for this movie, is none of it really works. It doesn't satisfy me as a fan of Star Wars. It doesn't satisfy me as a fan of movies. And it doesn't fit into any of the uh, gaps in the Star Wars story in a way that's satisfying, you know? Like, what I mean by that is it answers all the questions that no one had, uh, it presents new questions uh, that, do that it doesn't answer, and it retroactively damages, in my opinion, uh, the older movies. It damages my, like, I, I, I'm supposed to understand Han Solo more after this movie, and I don't. I understand him less. I am now more confused as to how he ended up where he at, is now. Because now I have to actually think about it. I can't just look at A New Hope and say, okay, he's this gun, you know, he has a blaster, he's an outlaw, he shot first. He, he did the parsec, he, he did the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs. Uh, you know, he's got Chewy. you know, he's this badass guy who is real rough around the edges, but over the course of the, the original trilogy, we come to appreciate him, we come to love him, and we come to accept him as the hero that was always there beneath the surface. And in Star a Solo, a Star Wars story, I don't see any of that. And, like, uh, sure, like, he has to get to that point, but... I don't get it. I, I don't see how he gets to that point, and I don't think we should have. Uh, I don't think there should have been two or three movies to show us that progression. Like that's not what this should have been. I think, my personal opinion, there are hundreds of characters in the Star Wars universe. We what I think was success. What I think was successful with Rogue One is that. It focused on characters that we didn't really know beforehand. Solo focuses entirely on Han Solo, who we've had a lot of exposure to. And because of that, the audience goes in with these preconceived notions of who this character is. And we, we're all aware that this is a prequel, but we still have these expectations. And you just, you cannot strip them away enough to present us with what we have in Alden Ehrenreich's portrayal of Solo and make us believe that this is 
Han Solo. We, it, I just, it doesn't work. You know, what we need, need in quotation marks, because I don't know that we need any, you know, we don't need to have a Star Wars movie every five months, but what would be better are, you know, give us a movie that's only about Lando, right? We don't know enough about Lando right now. Give us a movie about Boba Fett. Give us a movie about Kira, who's never been mentioned in Star Wars before this, at least not in the movies that I'm aware of. And so why not just uh, give us the movie from her perspective? Han can still be in it. Alden can still be Han. Like, I guess that'd be okay if he was, like, a supporting character. But make the movie about her. Make the movie about Lando. Make the movie about Woody Harrelson's character. Or, or whatever. But but I, I really, like, I don't want to see... I know people are, like, talking up, like, Qui-Gon Jinn movie or, or Obi-Wan Kenobi movie. Uh, or something like that. And I, I just don't want that. Like, I, I've been... I've spent a lot of time with these characters... Maybe not Qui-Gon Jinn, but I've definitely spent a lot of time with Obi-Wan. And I don't want to see him again. Not, you know, not in his own movie. You know, I'm happy to see him as a connection in a movie about somebody else who I don't know or know very little about. But I don't need another movie about a character that I know a lot about already. Uh, so... I don't know. That's that's really how I feel. I, I'm very thumbs down on Solo. Uh, you know, it's got a 3.3 right now on Letterboxd. Um, and I gave it a one star on Letterboxd. Uh, for reference, that would equate to a rating between 20 and 29. I gave it a 28. It is my this is this is extreme okay but it is my least favorite live action star wars movie period no no uh no no clarification by saying except the prequels it's worse than all the prequels to me um my my for for me the prequels while certainly not good movies across the board, I think, fan, for me, Phantom Menace is the weakest prequel, but, um, that's, I think, um, Phantom Menace, nope, not that one, like, Phantom Menace, I give a 41, it's bad, it has moments, but it's bad, um, Attack of the Clones, I, I have to rewatch that, I haven't seen it in quite some time, and I expect it'll end up lower, like, closer to, like, the high 40s for me. But, still, like, <clears throat> weakest, it's it's not going to be as bad as Solo. It isn't. It just can't be. Because at least the prequel trilogy was giving us, yeah, we know Darth Vader, but the prequel trilogy was able to not only show us, introduce us to Anakin, which is a far cry different difference than... Uh, introducing us to a young Han Solo. But it also expanded our understanding of this world. It gave us information that we didn't have already. It didn't spend its entire runtime ticking off boxes of like, oh, we gotta make sure we explain how this happened. Oh, we gotta make sure we did explain how this happened. Granted, it does it a couple of times, but nowhere near to the extent that Solo does it. So... I'm far more 
uh, impressed and respectful of the prequels than I am of Solo. It's it's real bad. I, I'm not a fan. Uh, I'm gonna see it again. Uh, that that all that being said, I'm still gonna see this again at some point. Um, since I didn't since I saw it in Rio, I didn't use Movie Pass to see it, so I can still go see it for free with Movie Pass. So I'll likely go see it again once I've kind of knocked out a lot of the things that I missed out on while I was away. But yeah, I, I'm not expecting to change my score on it. I was really not a fan. So that being said, uh, we're gonna get we're gonna get a little bit into spoilers. Not too much, but a little bit. It's mostly just gonna be me venting a little bit more, but with a bit more of a with more specific. Uh, targets. So, if you haven't seen Solo, or you have no interest in seeing Solo, or you don't care if I tell you what happens in Solo with a little more specificity, uh, you can continue on. Otherwise, uh, thank you for listening, and uh, if you'd like, you can return to this after you've seen the movie and listen ahead. Um, otherwise, if you'd like to check out the website, circleoffilm.com, you want to get in touch with me, you want to say that I'm wrong about this movie, happy to hear it. Uh, you can tweet at circleoffilm or email me, circleoffilm at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support the show, you can do so for as little as $0.08 cents a month, or an episode, $0.08 cents an episode, uh, patreon.com slash circleoffilm. And now, spoilers. Any path. So many worth exploring Just one would be so boring And look what you're ignoring I think the next time I go see the movie, I'm going to try to like compile a, an exact list of all the things I think that it ticks a box off. Ticks a box off for. From like Han Solo's history. But, in short, you have his meeting with Chewbacca, you have his name, you have the dice which are so overused in this movie. Absurdly overused. They are front and center. I don't think we ever had a close-up on the dice once before The Last Jedi. It wasn't great in The Last Jedi either, and now it feels like they're trying to make it mean something, and it doesn't. It just really just doesn't. It, it's really silly hate the dice, get the, no more dice, but we get that, we get tons of that, ridiculous, um, we see him acquire the Millennium Falcon in, in, in gambling with Lando, box, uh, we, we see the blaster, silly, silliness blaster, we see the Kessel Run, 12 parsecs, which, huge issue with the Kessel Run, uh, visually it's great, it's one of the most visually pleasing parts of the movie, but, on the other hand, literally the first time he's ever flown the Falcon, he does the Kessel Run. Which is, if we're to take him in the original trilogy at face value, the thing he brags about first to indicate how good of a flyer he is. How good of a pilot he is. And, <clears throat> gotta be honest, uh, I don't know how many years have been have passed between Solo and New Hope, but... If it's like 10 years, say, how, how, how has he not accomplished a better feat flying than the Kessel Run? Firstly, in 10 years, owning the Falcon at this point, and like, 
now he's like actually experienced with it. He hasn't done anything better than the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs. Fine. Okay. Maybe that is the most most incredible accomplishment he's got. How can it be the first thing he ever does with the Falcon? That just, it strains credulity for me. It doesn't, I have big issues, big problems with this. Okay. Think of it like this. Um, If I am a world-renowned or or infamous, uh, 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 I don't know, pirate, right? The first thing I ever did as a pirate should not be my claim to infamy, right? Like, I shouldn't, it, it, it just, you can't be good enough yet. You can't be no, well-known enough yet. It, it can't be that important. It can't be that big of a deal. It's just not. You, you, you're not... The first time you ride a bike is not going to be the best time you've ever ridden that bike. The first time you drive a car, you will not be the best car driver of all time with that car. It just doesn't make sense. And like, if if we want to, if we're trying to ascribe to the notion that that Han Solo is actually the greatest pilot of all time, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Sure. But this movie, prior to the Falcon doing the Kessel Run in in 12 parsecs, does nothing to convince me that he could actually do what he does. Makes no sense. Huge problems. Visually, it's great. Uh, Logically, I'm out. I'm just, I'm so out. So out. Let's look at this from, look at the movie from more of a narrative perspective, though. So, he's separated from Kira early on. And the movie then becomes about him getting cure, getting back to Kira. That's kind of the driving force. That's why he joins the army, why he wants to be a pilot. Uh, he constantly brings it up in conversation. He's like, oh, I gotta get back to her, gotta get back to her, gotta get back to her. At some point in the movie, he meets her again, by chance, maybe. <clears throat> maybe it's the force bringing them together. And at this point, he has... Uh, I guess you would say um, accomplished his goal. He is now back with Kira. He doesn't have to rescue her anymore because she got out. And at this point, it kind of feels like the movie doesn't know what to do with itself uh, because it doesn't feel like it's really doubling down on freeing Kira from her apparent connection with Dryden Voss. It does not feel like it's doubling down on the Woody Harrelson connection, does not feel like it's doubling down on Lando. And so it kind of ends up in this suspended space where it has no goal. And it then kind of falls backwards into this new goal, which is to help the resistance. Which takes a while to get to. And still feels weird, still does not feel like it meshes up with the film, because, uh, I don't know, it just uh, does not feel like it's what Han Solo's all about, it, it, it really strikes a poor chord with the rest of the movie. Which brings me to Kira and Darth Maul. Darth Maul, who would also have been a fantastic character to make a movie about, but... We didn't. So, in one, like, single shot almost, Darth Maul has more spoken lines than he had in the entire movie of The Phantom Menace. 
he's only shown in a hologram, which is fine. Uh, I didn't need to see him in person. But his connection with Kira presents this huge question of why and, and how and like what's this, how's this really mesh with the rest of the universe? Problem is, we know how it meshes with the rest of the universe because Darth Maul is, as far as I'm aware, at this point in time, a disciple to Darth Sidious. Hold on one second. Hold, hold on. Hold the phone. Hold the phone. Hold the phone. Uh, I'm, this is this is me cutting in on myself to edit this up a little bit because I recorded this whole episode uh, Sunday early Sunday afternoon, and uh, there's a gonna be like a twenty I don't know two minute segment about me ranting about the Darth Maul inclusion and how that fits into the overall narrative. Uh, since that time, I've listened to somebody else review Solo, and. Uh, I've I've realized that my interpretation of what was happening was wrong. Uh, so I was under the impression that we were seeing Darth Maul as he was uh, uh, in a situation in, in a sense before the events that took place in Phantom Menace. So I thought it was. I mean, I mean that that didn't make logical sense to me. Um, but now, uh, I am under the impression that I, I clearly missed the fact that he had, um, metallic legs, uh, because he survives the events in Phantom Menace, which makes, it comes out of nowhere, okay? There's no explanation to it, they don't tell you what happened, they're just like, he's a lot, so, presume, if you, if you're more perceptive than I was, you catch that he's alive now, and now he's got his own machinations at play uh, as, as it were so this um, is is interesting uh, for for different reasons than I initially expected uh, so my original impression was like I, I didn't like it my current impression was uh, I, I guess they're kind of positioning Darth Maul to be maybe the big bad of, like, the solo prequel trilogy, or however many films they intended to make with it, uh, which is, is in and of itself, I guess, fine. Um, but I, I, again, like, here we are with this character who, for all intents and purposes, is supposed to be dead. Uh, I, I've learned that in, in, like, the TV shows that he has come back to life, and they've kind of really gone further into depth on that. I've, I, like, read an article about it on the bus to a movie earlier tonight. So, like, okay, so if you, you, you're caught up on all the, like, other stuff, I guess you know this, and this made more sense to you. But for someone like me, who'd never seen the show, who only watched the movies, and doesn't really follow any of the extended universe stuff like this was completely out of left field and this is a character I expect to be dead and we haven't seen I mean with the exception of Vader uh, we haven't really seen someone quote-unquote brought back to life now obviously Vader never technically died or Anakin never technically died um but he was in a situation where he was, like, minutes from death, and, like, be turning be turning into Darth Vader was a pretty huge surgery type of a situation, and, and so, you know, they're presenting Darth Maul as someone who also went through a similar situation. 
uh, and and that I I just I don't know I I, I think. I think it's a bit much for me. It's it's a lot for me to try to stomach because, and I don't know how exactly they presented it in the shows, um, whether it was like a surprise reveal or if they like chronologically, you know, took us through what happened uh, and picked up right from the point where he was literally cut in half. He was literally cut in half. Okay. And so, so this movie actually does take place between Phantom Menace and A New Hope in that realm somewhere. Darth Maul doesn't look much older, uh, so it could take place between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. I, I haven't looked up the actual chronology of the of the thing, but uh, it, it just. I don't know. I, I I guess if the TV shows are kind of canon, then it's fine. But I, I, I guess it's a situation where, like, I'm definitely going to need them to spend a lot of time walking me through explaining why I should care that he's still alive. And two, making me, recognize, making me feel comfortable with the fact that he's, quote, effectively come back from the dead. Um, we had no indication in any of the other movies that he was still alive. Uh, no reason to think that he could be, because he was cut in half. And uh, supposedly, the reason he's still alive is because his hatred for Obi-Wan Kenobi is so strong that it kept him alive. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, that's silly, I think. To me, that's really silly, because, <laughs> at least in Phantom Menace... I was not under the impression that his hatred for Obi-Wan Kenobi was that strong. Um, you know, disdain, maybe. <coughs> uh, and, and yeah, obviously he doesn't like the guy, but, like, they play... At least the thing I read plays it up to be something such that it's like an undying hatred, like a... <coughs> I don't know, like a, a Voldemort... Dumbledore situation or something like that, and that that's just not the way the movie plays out. So I I don't know I don't buy that. Uh, so it's it's I'm still not pleased by the inclusion of Darth Maul, but for different reasons now than I was before. I will say that um, I'm a, I'm slightly slightly more invested in in the future of Darth Maul's character, I guess, um, with this new revelation, uh, because now, I guess it's not necessarily him trying to, I mean, it probably still is him trying to, like, overthrow Darth Sidious, but at least now he's not actually working under him at the same time, point in time, so, uh, I'm fine with that. So, I guess, for the future of if there ever is a solo sequel, uh, for that potential movie, uh, I think, I'm in a, I'm in a much better of a spot, but for, I mean, ultimately, it doesn't really change my opinion of the movie as a whole. So, <coughs> sorry, um, I'm not gonna edit that out. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's just just wanted to correct that because I was about to basically trash this movie for the wrong reasons in this particular instance. Um, 
I think there might have been a couple other things I was thinking of uh, while that came up in the other podcast I was listening to, but I'm not. None of them are coming to mind right now. That was the one I definitely wanted to make sure I addressed um, before I released this episode. But um, I don't know. I, I go, I'm going to go on the record. Hated the way that they gave Solo his name, Solo. Thought that was ta- just terrible. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. I don't know. I, I guess that's. I guess that's it. I had. A, I. Th- I thought I had other thoughts, but. But. Yeah. Whatever. Um. But I, I guess I didn't. I miss, miss, didn't make that. Didn't work that out. Uh, I'm not gonna do a review for Adrift, which is the movie I saw earlier, which I just got back from. Um. And it was okay. I think Adrift is better than Solo. I'll say it. Anyway, uh, okay, so I'm going to cut back to the, uh, to the to what I recorded before. Um, yep, just me cutting in, doing a little thing. Uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's get you back to uh, what I was actually saying before. Thanks. Sorry about that. It feels like they're trying to make these movies connect rather than let them connect. And and that's that's a huge problem too. It's a huge mistake to really try to force continuity when it shouldn't need to be forced. And, you know, like this is a critique that you can probably lob against some of the MCU films at times, but not quite as as easily as you can against Solo. <clears throat> so Solo, so. Low, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I'll, I'll maybe I'll, I'll mention it on a future episode after I see it again and like have a little bit more of a, because I'm recording this almost two weeks after I saw the movie. Uh, you might be able to tell by listening. I've been sick. I've had to stop and start this recording a dozen times already just to cough and sneeze and all that kind of stuff. So, I, I just really not a fan. I. I'm still really looking forward to uh, the next movie, for sure. But this and Infinity War, both relative letdowns. And I think, um, I don't know, that's that's, uh, that's a shame. Unlike Infinity War, I am not at all interested in seeing a sequel to Solo. I am so excited for anything that comes after Infinity War and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The only Star Wars movie I'm interested in right now is Episode Nine. Bar none. Uh, that's it. That's it. Episode Nine. So after that, uh, again, Solo. It's not awful. Uh, it's certainly competently made uh, by by Ron Howard and and his whatever team and whatever production troubles that they were able to struggle through. But it's poorly written. I, I think the the lead actor, Alden Ehrenreich, is not the right casting choice for this part. And I think that he does a poor job uh, with what he's given anyway. Uh, the the Just all the choices made pr- before and, and, and during the making of this film, many of them seem to be made in error. And uh, I'm pretty, pretty disappointed by that. So... <clears throat> uh, far worse, f- easily the worst movie um, 
since Force Awakens came out for Star Wars, and as far as I'm concerned, worst Star Wars movie, with the exception of The Clone Wars. Only Star Wars movie that I think is worse. Because it's not really a movie, but it did. It is, because it came out in theaters, so you gotta, gotta deal with that somehow. Uh, anyway, obviously, plenty of people like this movie. A lot of people think it's great. Uh, sure. If you think that, that's, that's great. And I, I wouldn't try to tell you you're wrong, uh, but I'm just presenting what I think. So, for me, Solo, big thumbs down. Wouldn't uh, wouldn't have shelled out. I'm excited to see the movie not in 3D as well. I because the 3D I know I mentioned I saw it in 3D didn't add a single thing. Uh, speaking of 3D though, before I guess before I go, the movie was super dark and murky for me the whole time. I had really tr- I really had a lot of trouble like distinguishing things on the screen. I don't think that that was completely because of the 3D glasses. Whether or not they attributed to it, I don't know, but. I mean, I'll find out, but many, many of the scenes are, are very dark and difficult to discern. And that that made made things equ- just as difficult as everything else did. So, yeah. Solo, a Star Wars story. That's it. That's it. That's the end, end of the episode. Uh, I, I, again, I likely will bring this up on a future episode after I see it again, but... Yeah, that's it. I might not, honestly, you know, might not even do a statistics episode on Solo to just stop talking about it. We'll see. Thank you for listening. Uh, apologies if, if you really did like Solo and find my opinion to be wrong, but this is my opinion. And I would love to hear your opinion if you do disagree. Please try to convince me that I, I missed some big stuff because I don't know. I don't know. Thank you for listening, and as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same goodnight. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fades from view. So long, farewell, I'll be the same adieu. Wait a minute.